Amen. Thank you, Brother Charles. If you're happy you're saved this morning, would you say amen? amen. It's good to see you in the house of God today. It's been good to be here, uh, good to sing his praises, good to fellowship one with another. Now, uh, we are continuing our trek through the book of 1 Corinthians. For those who maybe haven't been with us, uh, we are on Sunday mornings preaching through this epistle, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And church, there's great value in going through the Word of God, preaching the whole counsel of God, line by line, verse by verse. And as we go through this book, what we're finding is that We have a very prosperous yet very problematic church. And a lot of the issues that they dealt with and a lot of the things that uh, they were involved with are still things that we deal with today. So last week, uh, we began to see Paul has made the transition from teaching on the beauty of the cross to dealing with the brokenness of the conduct of the Christians there at Corinth. And so our title last week was a Peter pandemic. In other words, the church here at Corinth had what we called widespread contagious childishness. Childishness. They were babies in Christ. They should have grown up, they should have been able to handle meat, and yet they were still babes in Christ. And the message last week was simple. It's time to grow up. Now, it's okay to start a baby Christian. We all start babies, okay? But it's not okay to stay there. Because when we fill a church with baby Christians, what happens? When nobody wants to grow up, and everybody's whining for the spiritual bottle... You're going to suck the life right out of a church. You know what? You can apply that to other institutions too. Maybe your marriage isn't as bad as you think it would be if you just grow up a little bit. and Stop sucking the life out of it. And so it is okay to start a baby. Amen? It's not okay to stay there. And so as we continue through this chapter, Paul is developing why it's so important that we grow up. And by the way, let me stop here. This is not to make baby Christians feel bad. If you're, if you're newly saved, if you're young in the faith, we're glad you're here. And we are glad to see God working in your heart and life. But it is important, church, that we give ourselves to grow in grace. Why? Because as we're going to see this morning, there is work to be done. There is work to be done. Most of you know are the newest addition to our family, Mr. Timothy back there. He's still in church, I guess, this morning. Mr. Timothy back there, we were at the basketball tournament all weekend and pushed brooms and cleaned up spills and changed out uh, garbage can liners and ran here and ran there. Do you know what? Never once all weekend did Timothy contribute to anything. (laughs) Never once. Never once did anybody ask him to do anything. Why? Because he's a baby. But the reality is somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And the work of the ministry, hey, the work of the ministry didn't end when Jesus ascended into glory. There are still souls that need to be saved, amen? There's still people that need to be encouraged, souls that need to be lifted, lives that need to be restored, souls that need to be comforted. There is still a message to declare. And I'm going to tell you, Paul looks at this church and he looks at us and he says, we have got to grow up and shoulder some responsibility because God is in the building business. He hadn't stopped. 
And so this morning, from these three verses, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the church building project. And today is going to be pointed, and it's going to be practical, and Lord willing, it'll be a blessing, and it'll be helpful. Look at verse number 11 with me as we begin this morning. Would you read it in unison, to, uh, verse number 9, sorry, Liz, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. Would you read it in unison with me? The Bible says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Number one, I want you to notice as we consider the church building project this morning. Number one, would you notice the team around us? The team around us. The Bible says we are laborers together with God. I want you to notice first of all here the privileged partnership. Now, this is a humbling picture here. I think we realize that you and I are are in this ministry thing together. That I think we recognize pretty readily that we are co-laborers one with another. But what Paul says here goes beyond the fact that I get to work with Chuck Kaufman. And you get to work with Mrs. Middle. It goes beyond that, church. The picture here, it's a very humbling picture, is that not only are we co-laborers one with another, but we are co-laborers with God himself. I don't just work for God, I get to work with him. I'm going to tell you, it's crazy to think that God would pick us. How, How many of you remember the playground days in elementary school? And you got team captains, right? And what do you do as a team captain? You're trying to get the best people for your team. So I'm going to take Johnny, and then I'm going to take Steve, and then maybe I'll take Sally. And we all know ain't nobody picking George till the end. Not our George, different George. Different George. You think about this. Hey, there's work to be done, Amen. And God is assembling his team. You think about who he could have picked. He could have picked the angels. He could have picked the angels. He could have had legions of angels come do his work here on earth. I I mean, to me, that would be a pretty good pick. He could have picked nature. Jesus said that if, if those people there didn't cry out, he said the very rocks would cry out about who he is. I mean, we saw him when he was here on earth, and and, and the seas roared, and the winds blew until he said, peace be still, and they did. They were still. I mean, he could have picked nature. By the way, if lightning would have written across the sky, Jesus saves, and then lightning would have written across the sky, you better get saved now. I mean, if I saw that in lightning, I'd be like, hmm, I think I should. He could have picked nature. He could have picked nature. Let me give you another aspect of nature. He could have picked animals. You remember Balaam's donkey? God used Balaam's donkey to do what? Talk to Balaam. God used Balaam's donkey to communicate truth to Balaam. And here's the thing. I bet you Balaam never forgot that time that donkey talked to him. By the way, there were a bird that landed on my porch and started talking to me. I think I remember that too. God could have chosen a lot of things when he was assembling his team. But God didn't pick the angels for this work. And God didn't pick nature for this work. And God didn't even pick the animals for this work. God picked me and God picked you. God picked us. 
I mean, I'd have thought we'd have been the last one picked on the kickball team. And yet God picked us. I'm going to tell you from our perspective, this is an unbelievable advantage. Because I just don't work for God. God didn't just say, here's the assignment. Go do it. Figure it out. I get to work with God. And when I work with God, let me ask you, how can I lose? How can I lose? You know what Paul said, Romans 8 and verse 31? He said, what if God before us? Who can be against us? I love what Jesus said, Matthew 16 in verse 18, speaking of Peter's confession that he was the Christ, that Jesus was the Christ. He said, upon that rock, Peter's confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Boy, when I'm working with God, what a privilege. Because with God on my side, I cannot lose. I cannot fail. What a privileged partnership. And you know what? As we consider the church building project that God has given us to do, let me ask you, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it just make a whole lot of sense for you and I to be all in on this partnership? You see, God has promised to bless the church building project. God's not promised to bless your ideas and your endeavors and your wants and your path and your way. But the problem is, is sometimes we run after our own way and our own things and our own heart and our own desires. And we want to see this and that and that and that done. And we try to fit God in around. Boy, man, it would make a whole lot of sense for me to not fill my life with things that are probably going to fail. It makes a whole lot more sense for me to fill my life with a partnership that cannot fail. Boy, spend less time on my plans which fail and more on his which cannot. It is a privileged partnership. I am a co-laborer with God. But not only am I a co-laborer with God, I am a privileged possession of God. The end of that verse says, ye are God's husbandry. That's an agriculture reference, that we're his field. Uh, We are God's building. This is an architecture reference, that that God is building, constructing something. And I want you to notice that ye there is plural. It's referring to that church body. In other words, God is using us and arranging us as he sees fit. We're his And he is using and arranging us as he sees fit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18, Paul puts it this way. But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. By the way, we're going to get to talk about spiritual gifts. And we're going to get to talk about specific things about the church body and church work in chapter number 12. And I know some of us are itching to get there. I had a conversation this morning about spiritual gifts. And church, we will get there. Amen? Maybe 2024, 2020. No, we'll get there. All right? I won't make you wait that long. But Here's what I want to say this morning. If God has called you to be a part of this local assembly, you are here for a reason. And that reason is not to sit and soak. That reason is not to sit and sour. That reason is to do something for him and for his glory. If God has called and planted you here at this local assembly, you are here for a reason because there is work to be done. God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you and God wants to work for us. 
It's a reminder that, yes, I'm in a privileged partnership with God, but he is the controlling partner, not me. I'm not sticking my finger in the wind to figure out where I want to go today. I look to him and ask him where he would have me and what he would have me to do. He is the controlling partner. I belong to him. And so when God plants me somewhere, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to resiliently plant myself where God plants me. No half-end stuff. You know what I'm going to do when God plants me somewhere? I'm going to relentlessly pursue what God wants to produce in and through me. I mean, it's silly. It's almost springtime. As soon as I say this, we'll get like 16 inches of snow. I know. Oh, Chuck, now you want, okay, Chuck, Mr. Daylight Savings Time. Okay. But how silly would it be, we like to plant a garden, how silly would it be for my tomato, my wife's tomato plant this year to decide, to decide it wants to be a blueberry vine in my neighbor's yard? How silly would it be? How silly would it be? But here's the thing, there's a whole lot of Christians trying to plant themselves every which way, trying to just do whatever. Instead of trying to figure out what I want to do, why don't I ask God what he wants me to do? Why don't I ask God where he wants me to be? And when God shows me where he wants me to be, why don't I just get all in? Why wait? Why hold back? There is work to be done, amen? And God is bringing us together. By the way, God doesn't have every Christian in the area to come to harvest. There are other good gospel preaching churches in the area. And God's going to build these local assemblies to do his work. But God is building a team. And I'm going to tell you, the team is important. You know, you got the neat little phrases, teamwork makes the dream work. Amen. I remember Pastor Lewis, I think it was, did a sports banquet one time, or maybe it was a sermon. You gave that acronym for team. Together, everyone accomplishes more. I'm going to tell you, God is building a team. But here's the thing about a team. The team only works if everybody's all in. You see the team around us. You know, if this church building project is going to get done the way God wants it to, it's going to require the team around us, amen? I want you to see not only does Paul talk about the team around us, but God t- uh, Paul talks about the task before us. Look at verse number 10. Would you read it in unison with me? Paul says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation... And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So we see the team around us, amen. That's important. We need the team around us. Praise the Lord. Uh, We've got, uh, I think at this point, we've got three or four families who are ready to join the church, amen. And God's just building the team. God's building the team. God's building the team. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But once we see the team around us, church, we have to remember the task before us. And I want you to note here, Paul notes that before he gets into the building process, he makes sure that we know where the supply comes from. We have holy assistance. Not just helpful assistance. We have holy assistance. 
He says in verse number 10, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. God's grace was given unto him. And by the way, the Bible still teaches that a measure of God's grace is given to every saint in proportion to their part in the task. I'll give you a couple of verses. Romans 12 and verse number 3. There Paul says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then he's going to, as we move through that chapter, talk about how God has gifted people by his grace for service in his name. God deals to every man a measure of faith and a measure of grace. And it is proportional to the task at hand. You look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 7. We have something along the same lines. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You see this thing of the church building project. It's not just a preacher thing. And it's not just a deacon thing, and it's not just a you've been here for 733 years like Larry Petrie thing. Is Larry here? I can only pick on him if he's here. He's not. He's in jail. I take it back. I take it back. If you've only been here for 733 years like Bill Brown thing, he's here. I can pick on him. It's an every one of us thing. It's an every one of us thing. God gives us grace, and a measure of God's grace is given to every saint in proportion to their part in the work of God. And by the way, when I stop and realize that I get holy assistance from him, that eliminates all excuses from me. Well, preacher, I would if I could. You can. See, here's the thing. Our supply line comes from him. And I don't have to worry. God doesn't order cheap from China. I get the good stuff. God doesn't have supply chain issues. He doesn't have tankers backed up outside of California. No, we got direct line. There's no excuses. Well, preacher, I wish. No, you can. Why? Because God gives us grace. I'm going to tell you the reality is that every one of us have sufficient grace available to do what God wants for us to do. Now, beloved, that's not the same thing. God has given us different things. And some of us who are younger in our faith, maybe we long for the day where we can do more. That day's coming. Stay faithful where you are. I have my kids wash dishes. Why? Because I don't like to. And, and, and because they can't do the things I can do. I just in the last year or two had Christopher start mowing the lawn. But before that, I mowed the lawn. Why? Because I wasn't going to put a five-year-old on a lawnmower. I wasn't going to do it. It wasn't time. He wanted to until he was old enough to. (laughs) By the way, if we're not careful, that's how it works in the Christian life too. Boy, I wish I could. And then one day I'm like, you should. I don't know, preacher. God's grace is available wherever you are. Whatever he's given you to do, a measure of grace proportionate to your next step, to your next task, is available to you. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? That undeserved kindness, that unmerited favor that God pours out on us. You say, I don't deserve it. Exactly. That's why it's grace. If, if you earned it or deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. And yet God extends his grace, his undeserved kindness to us. And it supports us and it sustains us and it lifts us and it lightens our load. 
load. His grace is greater, amen? amen. It's greater than every grief. I know some of us this morning, we have heavy hearts. Danny, I'm praying for you and your family, man. I am. We prayed for his family Wednesday night. Had a family member pass away this past week. God's grace is sufficient. Some of us carry heavy burdens. Some of us feel like, man, we've been at the grind for a long time. But I'm going to tell you, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for each day, for each season. When it comes to the task before us, church, we've got to understand that we have a holy assistance. Paul says, according to the grace which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. As we consider the task before us, church, I think we also have to consider higher ambitions. You know, God is in the building business. Paul points out here that he was used of God to lay the foundation. Paul had come to the city. He had preached the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again. And the Bible says folks in the city of Corinth put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and were gloriously saved. And there was a church that was birthed there in the city of Corinth. And Paul was used of God to lay the foundation. He says that he was skillful and he was careful in what he had done. But eventually the apostle Paul moved on in his missionary journey. And others had come and built onto that foundation for better or for worse. I'm gonna tell you, church, God desires that his church, not his church, not just hang on, but add to. God is still in the building business. He's in the building business. You might put it this way: we are always in the middle of a church building project. Now, we've not had one of those around here for a little while in a physical sense. But in a spiritual sense, church, we are always in the middle of a church building project. What do you mean? We are building others up. We are being built up by others. We are seeing God in his grace and mercy add others to. And you know who God works to build the church today? He works through us. Now, again, it goes back to that partnership. We are laborers together with God. You remember Matthew 16, 18? Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I want you to see Ephesians chapter 4. Remember verse number 7, it talked about how God gives to us each a measure of grace according uh, to the gifts that he wants to give us, the task that's at hand. But you jump down to verse 11, and this is what it says. He starts to name some of the gifts that he's given. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, the maturing, the growth, the building up for the saints. Why? So that the saints can then do the work of the ministry and that the edifying of the body of Christ be accomplished. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me give you a little hint. We ain't there yet. We're not there yet. And so what does God do? He, he has, God is in the building business, and we have a church building project, but it is you and I that God uses to build his church today. 
I'm going to tell you, that's why the church body needs vision. That's why the church body needs the heart of God. Because here's the thing that I have found. Building isn't easy. I remodeled a porch one time, didn't even build it. It was hard. I'm supposed to build a deck this summer. I don't even want to do that. See if I can talk the neighbors into it. I talked with a pastor one time about a building project that he had, and he probably took about five minutes to tell me how wonderful the building project was, and it was this and this and this and this and this, and it was great and it was glorious, and we were able to do this and this and this and this, and, and I was like, wow, sounds like you guys did a lot. How'd you do it all? He said, I don't know. After it was done, I had a major medical incident, ended up in the hospital for like three weeks. I like, don't want that. Uh-uh. Building's not easy. Building's not easy. Growing pains can be hard. But here's the thing. This is a little secret about life. Life is hard. And as we grow in grace, as we become grown-ups, here's the thing. I get to pick my hard. I get to pick. You know, when I was young, I didn't have as many choices, but as I grow, I get to pick. And the reality is, I can have the hard of, from an, in a physical sense, give you this illustration, I can have the hard of trying to eat right and exercise on a regular basis. That's hard. Because I like hot dogs. And I like pizza. And I like chocolate. And I like chips. And I like to eat from the time the kids go to bed to the time that I go to bed. And I stress eat. One time I had five ice cream cones in one night. I know. Isn't that awful? I realized that night, brother, I had a problem. It's hard. But you know what else is hard? The physical problems that come with an undisciplined diet and lifestyle. That's hard, too. So I get to pick. I get to pick my hard. And here's the thing, church. God has given us a building project to do. And yes, it's not easy. And yes, it's hard. And yes, there's issues. And yes, at times, things we need to get through. But I'm going to tell you, you come to church and, well, I just want to get here and I want to get something for me and I want to get out and I want to do my own thing. Here's the thing about doing your own thing. Proverbs 13 reminds us the way of the transgressor is hard. And so we can pick the heart of doing God's work with God and God's people and seeing eternal results or we can pick the, well, I'm just going to try to find a way to do my own thing. And what we're going to find there is that even trying to do our own thing, the way of the transgressor is hard. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't die for your sins and rise again so that you could have your easiest, most comfortablest life now. This prosperity gospel thing going around has got us believing somehow that if life is hard, then somehow God failed. But that's not true. We're told to do what? To take up our cross daily and follow him. So let me ask you, what are you building? Are you doing God's building project or are you doing your building project? What are you building? We're building something. What are you building? I'm going to tell you, it's not always easy. But when the team around us decides to take up the task before us, God in his grace can do something special. That's what I want, amen. See God in his grace do something special. So we see the team around us. We see the task before us. 
Look at verse 11 as we close out. We'll look at 10 and 11 together. Paul said, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Would you read the end of verse number 10 with me? The Bible says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we see the team around us, amen. We see the task before us, amen. But I want you to notice thirdly this morning the test awaiting us. The test awaiting us. Here we're given a serious caution by Paul, take heed. Take heed. You know, just because you're building doesn't make you a master builder. There are a lot of guys out there putting up junk. By the way, it's easy to impress me. I don't know a whole lot about construction. I'm the guy who had to watch YouTube videos to figure out where the sticky on the drywall tape was. There isn't sticky on drywall tape. Two YouTube videos in, I figured it out. So pray for me. I'm going to try to work on my dryer this week. We'll see what happens. True story. I'm going to tell you, it's easy to impress me. I mean, you could put it up, and I honestly probably wouldn't know if you did a good or bad job. I wouldn't know if you used good materials or bad materials. I wouldn't know if it was junk or if it was great. But I'm going to tell you, though it may be easy to impress me, the ultimate test will not be whether the members around us are impressed, but whether the master above us is. Because there is coming a day when the master will come and inspect our work. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because we're going to spend about two weeks. These next two weeks, I'm going to tell you, they are, they are must-see, all right? They are must-be-here weeks because we are going to be talking about uh, making sure our life is up to code, amen? Because the final inspection is coming. There's coming a day, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 8, that, that though he that planteth and he that watereth are one, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. The reality is I'm going to stand before God one day, and I'm going to give an account for what kind of husband I was and what kind of parent I was and what kind of pastor I was and what kind of a believer I was. I'm going to stand before God, and I am going to give an account And here's the thing, when I stand before God and give an account, he's not going to ask you your opinion. Oh, but Lord, he was a wonderful pastor. He's not going to ask your opinion. You know what else he's not going to do? He's not going to go check how many downloads I had on Sermon Audio or read the YouTube comment section. That's probably a good thing. God's not going to look at any of that. And I'm going to stand before God. The master is going to inspect my life. And Paul says, you've got to understand here, let every man take heed how you build thereon. Some will tell you there's a lot of false doctrines out there. And here's the thing, if I get swept up in a false doctrine or I pass along, you think about the danger of passing along false doctrine. I mean, you could be pushing people away from Christ and potentially leading people to hell. Better take heed how you build thereon. You think about uh, uh, leading a fleshly life, a fleshly behavior, uh, living, living like the rest of the world. I'm going to tell you, you're pushing people away from Christ, leading people to believe. Jesus doesn't really change you. Think about people with a nasty spirit. 
I said it, said it often, it bears repeating over and over again, there will be no jerks for Jesus crown in heaven. And you may think you're cool taking your little right now, but I'm telling you, there is no jerks for Jesus crown in heaven. And we better take heed how we build because we will give an account. There is a final inspection coming. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10, Paul says to this church, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good profitable or bad, worthless. Our lives will be judged. And I'm going to tell you, there is a caution here because there's a lot of people throwing up junk. Because it's easy to impress people around us. There's a caution here because I think many Christians believe it's their spiritual duty to tear down. The spirit of criticism and the spirit of murmuring and complaining. I'm going to tell you, that's still not a spiritual gift. God's in the building business, not the tearing down business. Take heed how you build, because I think there's a lot of Christians who say, you know what, I just won't do much of anything. That way I won't mess anything up. But do you remember the words that Jesus said? in the parable of the talents to that man who had the one talent and was fearful of messing it up. And so what did he do? He hid his talent in the earth. And, and when he had to stand before the master and give an account, do you remember what the master told him? Matthew 25, beginning in verse 25. I want you to see the seriousness of the verbiage here. The, the servant says, I was afraid and I went and hid my talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast all that is thine. Hey, Jesus, aren't you glad I just didn't mess it all up? Aren't you proud of me? I just didn't mess up. I mean, I didn't do anything, but I didn't mess up. Verse 26. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knew that I reaped where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. And thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. You should have at least put it in the bank so I could have gotten interest. He said, Take therefore the talent from him. And give it unto him which hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given unto him, that, and he shall have abundance. And from him that hath not it shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to tell you, church, we, ought, we have got to take seriously the building project that God has given us to do. We have a job to do. There's a serious caution, but I'm going to tell you, God gives us some simple criteria. Verse number 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for the finished work of Christ? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus finished the work. Amen? Ours, then, is furthering of that work by, by taking that finished work to every creature and to every corner of this globe. Jesus Christ is the source and the standard for all the work we do. Nothing else is acceptable. I'm going to tell you, these next two weeks, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, you've got to be here to see what this test is going to look like because we will all stand before the Lord. 
It's a reminder that our building project is not about me and it's not about you and it's not about our feelings and it's not about our prosperity and it's not about our promotion. It's about Jesus. But the good news is, is that if we can lead them to Jesus, we find that he is a foundation that never fails. The good news is if we can lead them to Jesus, we find that he is a friend that never forsakes And that which is built on Christ for Christ shall last. I'm going to tell you there's a serious message here this morning. It's pointed and it's practical. But I believe with all my heart that it's needed because I believe God's not done building here at Harvest. God's not done. You know, I look over the congregation this morning and I see my friend Jim. And I think like Jim, there's probably a lot more people around here who need to hear about Jesus and get saved. Jim, man, I still can't get over what God's done in you, what God's done for you, what God's doing through you. Man, it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to tell you, there's souls that need to be saved. I, I think about, Brother Mark, those, those that we have seen find freedom from addiction and stronghold. I'm going to tell you, there's still more folks who need to find that. I'm going to tell you, I think, you know, uh, the Wells, for those of you who may not know, they had the opportunity to serve in a children's home for the last couple of years. I'm going to tell you, there's still work to be done. Amen? And God's taking them all over the place and doing things. Hey, God has something for each of us to do. God's given us a building project. We're to build His church. I'm going to tell you, Brother Dan, where's Brother Dan at? Oh, he's back in junior church. Hey, there's still teenagers that need to be reached. Amen? There's still more young people that need to be reached. There's still more families that need to be helped. There's still more answers to prayer we need to see. Pastor Belcher, praise the Lord. How many years cancer-free? Five years. From stage four lung cancer to cancer-free, five years. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. Hey, there's still more prayers that need to be answered. Amen? God's got more grace. God's got more growth. So here's the thing, team. Some of us plant. Some of us water. And we're going to trust God to give the increase. So I ask you this morning, has God placed you on this team? Has God placed you on this team? If he has, we need you. We need you. There's a task that God has given us to do. To build his church. And you know the reality is, Christian, that no matter where you're at this morning, this is the glorious thing. The grace of God is available for your next step. You say, preacher, I don't know if God's placed me here yet. I tell you, that's all right. You just keep praying. The grace of God is available for your next step. You say, preacher, it's been a long time since I've done anything for God. That's all right. The grace of God is available for your next step. You're on the team. It's time to get in the game. You say, preacher, there there are things in my life that shouldn't be there. I can't serve God like I want to because, because my heart's not right. The good news is the grace of God is available for your next step that if you just confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hey, God is building a team. God has given us a task. You know what? I don't dread the test 
that awaits us. Because by God's grace and for God's glory, I'm looking forward to us, the Harvest Baptist Temple, me, you individually, hearing our King say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. But before we do, I mentioned this morning, if you're here and and you're not a Christian, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you don't know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. I'll tell you, you you're not a Christian because you came to church. You're not a Christian because you've been baptized. You're not saved because you have good intentions or good feelings towards God. No, the Bible says that we, we become a child of God when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us. And I'm going to tell you, if you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, God's grace is available to you too. And this morning, if you would but turn to him, put your faith and trust in who he is. He is God. What he's done, he died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that you can be gloriously and forever saved. You know, no matter where you are this morning, no matter who you are, the invitation is simple. Would you respond to the grace of God to you? What's that next step, team? What's that next step? It is simply responding to the grace of God for you today. Would you stand together?